0: So, like, take off to the great white north. Beauty.
1: beauty.
0: Take off. It's a beauty way to go. Jeez. Take off, <sighs> you hosers. All
1: right. Alright, thanks uh, for joining us today, guys. This is episode two of Hosers. I'm Chris Killingsworth. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Carter Lupel. Carter, what's going on, man? How's it going, Chris? It's going pretty well, man. I'm uh, excited to get started on the second episode. And as always, people can subscribe on either SoundCloud or iTunes moving forward. I did a little bit of homework, eh, Carter? A little bit. I put put together a Twitter and an Instagram account uh, for the podcast as well. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at listen to hosers. Uh, The one that I wanted to take was taken. I was pretty devastated by that.
0: What did you want
1: to take? Well, I wanted it to say take off you hosers, but hosers wouldn't fit. So it was take off you hoser and somebody already had that because obviously clever, uh, clever thing, you know.
0: Let's invite him on the show.
1: <laughs> Imagine. Anyways, what have you been up to, man? I know you were coaching this past weekend. Uh,
0: not too bad. It was, or Sorry, not too much. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if many of you know, but I'm coaching uh, the men's hockey team at Fleming College um, in Lindsay and Peterborough, Ontario. Um, we just played our game against Trent University, which is, I guess, their rival school. We beat them 6-3. Uh, last year, we lost 11-1, so... It was nice to uh, get a W
1: there. Yeah, man, that sounds good. What, uh, like, Why did they smoke you so bad before?
0: It must have been bad coaching last year. This is my first year
1: coaching. So. <laughs> Could you imagine? They're but, just like, oh yeah, the coaching, the systems were terrible.
0: Let's get Carter in here.
1: <laughs> so
0: he, he has to have the secret. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: So we can maybe even start off there. I wanted to talk a little bit about your uh your college coaching experience and how this is how this has kind of transpired over the last little while so how did you get involved with coaching the team there
0: uh well originally I wanted to reach out to U of T where I originally went to school and played hockey and they had an assistant coaching position open because they cleaned house um from the original coach who was there for I think 17 years um so they cleaned all their back house and um they're, they're a, a regular season hockey team in the CIS and um, they wanted to um, they wanted to get like a whole new set of coaches in there not just a new um, head coach and so I applied for the assistant coach um, and they're like oh you know what we want some someone with a bit more coaching experience um, like we understand you're an alumni and everything but we'd rather have uh, someone that has a bit more coaching rather than just playing experience. And then they notified me that they actually put my name in the hat uh, for this coaching position in Peterborough. And I was like, well, thank you, um, but <laughs> I, I don't really want to go up north. I'd well, rather be in the city.
1: It's so out of your I mean, it's not totally out of your way, but it is a little bit out of your way.
0: Yeah, it's pretty out of the way. And so, um, and so I... I ended up just applying from their recommendation and everything, and um, I was working with the Leafs at the time, and I wasn't able to make it up for any of the interviews, Uh, so I did it all over the phone, and they ended up giving me the position just, I guess, on my word over the phone, Um, and I guess the recommendation from U of T, but it was, um, yeah, it all kind of happened pretty quick and then uh, showed up, and I'm sure I wasn't what they expected when they picked a coach, and then, uh, <laughs> well, like, oh, fuck, let's try again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're like, we're desperate, we'll literally take anybody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's. they're like, well, we have him, we can't just send him on his way now. So, so for, yeah, it,
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, you probably don't look like a typical hockey coach. Carter's, no. like me, covered in tattoos, top to bottom, and, uh, I don't know, you probably... Naturally. You probably don't fit, like, the archetype hockey fan either, I can't imagine. Maybe in this day and age it's a bit different, but, like, you know, you don't have a mustache. Well, maybe you do have a mustache. It is Movember, after all.
0: And I'm not cheating. I'm, I'm (laughs) I shaved clean and I started from scratch. (laughs) Oh,
1: dude, I have absolutely no love for people at that. I was, uh, where was I? I think I was getting a coffee at Timmy's a couple days ago, and my new move is to just get out of the car. I find that that works a (laughs) lot easier. No, seriously though, like if you get out of the car at Tim Hortons, you're almost never waiting for your coffee. Yeah. You go in and you know, yeah, have like a little bit of little bit of banter back and forth with whoever's serving you your coffee. And the guy in front of me had like this crazy mustache, and it was just very clear that the guy probably rolled into November with a beard and was just like, "Oh, it's Movember. I'm gonna have a mustache," which. I think Movember, like, I think that stuff's fantastic. Um, I wouldn't be allowed into my house with a mustache straight up. Uh, It's just not a good look for your boy, CK. But I think... In November. (laughs) Well, in November, I could probably get away with it. But it's just, yeah, it's not not a good look for me personally. Uh, But, I mean, I think it's great, like, you know, especially with the mental health initiatives and all these other things that are kind of going above and beyond with Movember. It's been positive, but... Yeah, like, this guy had such a fake mustache. And I was like, dude, it looks sick, but I know you didn't earn it. Like, you didn't have to, gr- like, grind away at having, like, you know, these, like, shitty whiskers above your lips for a couple of days. and You just have a sick mustache off the hop. So it's all you know, you don't earn it. You know what I'm saying? It is one of these things where, like, everybody has them. And, and, you know, there's maybe not a lot of conversations about the issues that are at hand, right? I mean, there's just so many things... Um, you know, that I think there's terrific awareness around these topics this time of year. And, and I hope it's not misplaced with just like a fashion statement. Although I will say the mustaches do look pretty sick. I, I will say that much anyways. So what's, uh, as far as the hockey team goes, what, where are you guys in the standings right now?
0: Uh, we're two and two. So we're at 500 hockey. Um, I'm not sure, uh, if many of you know this either, but there is a college strike going on. Um, and a lot of these boys have head home to uh, like pick up jobs or just get out of the, the campus because they've been sitting on their asses for five weeks with no class and no nothing. So we've really been affected by low attendance. Um, we've had 12 skaters, all four of our games and most teams have 18. So yeah. we've been hit with um, a light roster, but they've simplified their game and they've they brought it to the last minute, and I guess if you score in the last minute, that's a coaching flaw, not a team flaw. So we'll yeah. take responsibility for the losses that we've had. Um, <laughs> but they really put a lot of work in. They've been The guys that have showed up have been, uh, been a bunch of fucking beauties.
1: I love it, man. And you know what? If you need like a six-foot, over 200-pound kind of, I don't know, let's call him like a stay-at-home defenseman. You know where to find him, sitting in his apartment in his underwear right now. <laughs>
0: A good two hundred
1: pound, right? Well, I'm thick. I'm I'm a thick guy, and thick with two C's <laughs> can make it happen. But uh, when I say stay at home, I literally mean stay at home because I haven't left my apartment in a couple of days, and I also mean that I can't skate backwards, like I said in the last episode. <laughs> so you know what? I think we gotta. I'll I'll make my way, way up there, and and I'll and I'll assistant coach for a game or two here, and the boys, uh, you know, can see. What it's like for a guy to be uh, almost 30 and still can't skate backwards very well
0: we'll just keep you off the ice so they don't lose faith in you yeah that's fair yeah i'll just or be we'll drawing up we'll the plays and whatever will point you forward <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah that'd be fine don't ask me to back check though i guess if i can turn around quick enough it might work but that's uh <laughs> it's not looking too positive but anyways let's let's get into some some real hockey talk uh maybe we can throw some reverb on that hopefully that we can make that sound yeah, cool yeah. Real hockey talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you watch the uh, the Calgary Detroit game last night?
0: Uh, I didn't watch it, but I watched all the highlights this morning.
1: Dude, it was so, oh, it was so corny. The uh, so so for those of you guys who didn't check out the game, there was a bench brawl between Calgary and Detroit last night. There's six minutes remaining, and and uh, Detroit ended up winning the game eight to two. So just absolutely. <laughs> poor showing by the Flames, but the Red Wings' Luke Witkowski went after the Flames' Brett Kulak, and their fight happened during a TV timeout, and what ended up happening was it escalated into a line brawl because Matthew Kachuk, after, basically what happened was Witkowski was being escorted off the ice by a linesman, and Matthew Kachuk went back and smacked him on the ankle, and... (laughs) Witkowski, obviously, things got like real lippy, and Witkowski attempted to kind of like return back to where the scrum was happening, and chaos just ensued. So let's break it down a little bit. Witkowski, who, from all accounts, I believe he played with Syracuse Crunch last year, not a regular NHLer by any means, but he was assessed a fighting major, two 10 minute misconducts, and a game misconduct. And he'll probably hear back uh, from the NHL about further discipline as well. So I don't, I don't know quite what the specifics are, but I don't know if you've heard of this rule. I heard about it last night when Elliot Friedman was talking about it um, between periods. And he was talking about this uh, idea that if, if you get kicked off the ice and you come back, that you get like a further misconduct. or I think it's like an automatic 10-game suspension. Did you hear about that before?
0: Um, well, I'm not sure how it works in the NHL, but like, I know when I used to play hockey, there used to be huge repercussions. Like there's like the reason you're ejected from a game is because you're compromising the safety of other players on the ice. Yeah. And, and there's a reason you've let, it's like, if you went to work, not in steel toe boots, like you're a danger to yourself and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing for them kicking you off the ice. You're a danger to yourself and other people. So there are serious repercussions, um, for that. So I didn't know about the automatic 10 game, but I know it was uh case by case when I played.
1: Yeah. And the thing that's weird about it is you wonder like what kind of instigator type, not, I don't know how to describe it. I guess like you don't know what kind of instigator penalties will be in place for Kachuk for kind of going after a guy on his way out. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, that's just like, that's not classy hockey, right? Like he's already, he's been like, He's been dealt the punishment. Just let him go take his punishment, you know? Yeah. Like that was that was kind of hard to watch because at that level of hockey, you shouldn't be operating with that kind of decorum.
1: Sure, you know, but I don't know. This might be, like, the, uh, the like, real gritty guy or whatever you want to call it inside me, but, like, I loved it, dude. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but, like, I loved Kachuk is such a little shit disturber, and I don't think, aside from, like, Brad Marchand and and maybe a couple of other guys in recent memory, there isn't really that pest, and Kachuk has the skill to back it up. So, like, he can can be a shit disturber, but you also see what he brings to the table, you know, day in and day out, game after game with Calgary. And I remember watching Matthew Kachuk play for the London Knights, and he was like that too. I think we see a little bit of that personality in junior hockey, sometimes a little bit more. And then it almost gets like sucked out of guys by the time they make it to the to the big leagues. But uh yeah, there, as soon as he went back and tapped him on the ankle, I was like, oh my god, here it goes. And then yeah, sure enough, everything kind of like exploded, like I said. So Witkowski after the game was like, Saying, you know, that's what I like to call old time hockey, and I think it's good for the game. It brings fans into the sport. So, where I can't necessarily stand behind all of the craziness that happened after, it was interesting to see because I can't remember seeing something like that for at least a few years. What was your kind of take on it?
0: Yeah, like, well, like you said, without all the theatrics, like, like slapping ankles and chasing people off the ice, like that's not old time hockey.
1: (laughs) Well, it just, I think he meant old time hockey in the sense that, you know, whether you like fighting or you don't like fighting, um, it's one of these things where you see guys, they're doing things to kind of get the crowd behind them because they know that, for the most part the crowds get excited by fighting, you know, people are up out of their seats, you know, carrying on screaming, yelling, whatever. And I subscribe to that. Like as a kid, as an adult, um, I, I like some of the intangibles that, that come from fighting, whether that's, you know, getting the crowd riled up. Uh, and even as a spectator, it's just an interesting kind of thing to see happen. I don't like when people get hurt, obviously, uh, and I don't like the staged fighting very much, but this wasn't a staged fight at all. This was just pure anger. You know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, that's sort of like, um like it if like we spoke about Patrick Waugh uh last last podcast for a bit, but the last time you even saw goalies in the mix was like when Patrick Waugh was like, I guess on a more regular basis was just Patrick Waugh. Yeah. But um yeah. But it was, yeah, like, that was all-time hockey in a sense that, like, everyone was heated, everyone was into it, like, everyone was fighting whether they had a choice or not, and then, like, the crowd just erupted because, like, no one expected that to happen, especially over a break when, like, people are, like, meant to be, like, getting up out of their seats and going and, like, getting a drink or going to the washroom, like, that happened at, like, such a weird moment, but... It Like, the whole crowd was captivated at that point in time, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of, in a weird way, that's what got me out of my seat. was just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next, right? And then, to your point, you saw Howard come over. Howard gets a little bit, you know, kind of into the scrum there. And then, if you watch just to the right, uh, like, where Detroit's bench was – um, Anthony Mantha and Travis Hammonick fall through the open gate near like where the, the Red Wings bench is. So like Mantha falls on top of Hammonick and he just keeps giving her just punching him in the face, man and he's given a fighting major and he got two game misconducts. So uh, I don't know man. I it's weird because as I said, it gives people something to talk about. Uh, as I said, I, I worry about people getting hurt in that moment. Uh, but I think it's, you know, you saw raw emotion. And, and I think that's something that, that people will stand behind, right? They're not always thinking about people's safety. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess that's part of the give and take of the game, right? And, and hopefully people are being smart. They're not making these stupid decisions. And I'm, I'm more interested to see what happens with this uh with Witkowski and, and whether or not the league upholds the 10 game suspension for coming back and, and getting a couple shots in on Kachuk.
0: Well, yeah, like they spoke about it this morning, but as soon as like the league sees people falling down and, uh and like arms like swinging and everything like that, like it's going to be, they're not going to look favorably on it. You know, like it's mm-hmm. unfortunately like, I, well, I I guess he kind of like, they, they deserve what they they got coming like they they started a fight during a timeout and like it kind of happened under unfavorable circumstances, so they should be punished for how they're how they're treating the situation but uh the league definitely won't come down any easier on them just with how it looked you
1: know yeah, I just don't see it happening and I think kachuk has a bit of an edge to his game like we've seen this before. And as I said earlier, he's a shit disturber. Like, I wonder if they'll be a bit easier on Bukowski because it was instigated by Kachuk in the manner that it was. So it's, I don't know, it's kind of up in the air. But the weird thing was is, like, Calgary was dog shit last night. Like, they were not good whatsoever.
0: How how do you lose 8-2 to Detroit?
1: Right, well, Detroit's... (laughs) I don't know, for all of the the shit that they get for being, you know, like a team on the wrong side of a rebuild and whatever else, I still like watching them. Like, Mantha, despite his, you know, thing that happened with Hamannick last night, like, I like Mantha. I've liked Mantha for a long time. Um, I think he's a bright spot to Detroit's team. But, like, last night, like you probably know, but Mike Smith um, suffered an injury, uh, and that's part of the reason that their goaltending situation was just a tire fire last night eddie lack dude he's not a good goalie man (laughs) No. he's got a sick twitter presence and he has a taco tattoo 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 uh, which i can stand behind any day of the week but uh, he's just it's been rough for eddie lack well
0: we'll get into goalies a bit more i guess once like well, I guess we started on Flurry and then we'll we'll talk about price and the Emmy and things like that. But Yeah. The, there seems to be like an omen hovering over goalies in the NHL this this fall.
1: Yeah, and I was listening to I think it was Jeff Merrick talking about it, talking about how because there's just a little bit more physicality in front of the in front of the goalie, like they've been getting involved in these altercations a little bit more frequently. So it's not like these you know, you're seeing players, I guess, go right to the net and often they can't catch themselves or they catch a bad edge and they end up going right into the goalie or whatever. With Smith, it's a little bit different. But, I mean, Mike Smith's been like a a bright spot for Calgary so far. Started 16 of 17 games for the Flames. And I think he's probably like one of the the brighter spots on a team that's sitting – 10 7 and 0 uh, in the Western Conference. You know what I mean? It's not a great oh, record, obviously, but the Flames' goaltending situation, you know, is it's not quite Las Vegas, but they've had a lot of inconsistency there, right? Um, and going in. Yager hasn't
0: been helping them out, Eddie, right? What's that? I said Yager hasn't been helping them out any. Ah, oh,
1: poor Yager. He, <laughs> Mike Smith. <laughs> he was uh so he's so far on the season he's got a 9-6-0 record 2.63 goals against average and sitting at uh, .921 for his save percentage. I hope as soon as he gets back to Calgary things start to turn around for the Flames. But uh but yeah, you've been feeling good about Calgary so far this year or like kind of what what's what's been your general consensus as far as that goes?
0: Um I'm kind of a different. Like the only reason why I've been following them at all Yeah, Um, is because of Yager. To be fully honest, Um, I was never really a Calgary fan, Um, and to be fully honest, the team in the West that's captivated me in the past few years is Edmonton, just because of McDavid. You know, Um, so they're the team that if I were to stay up to watch any West games, like with Canada contenders, it'd be Edmonton. Um, But I don't know. They like they seem to be like having some good successes and. Um, and fighting their way above five hundred, like it, it's the West is a tough league to play in, right? And I don't know. I the Yager thing is weird for me. I, I really don't think they should have taken the chance on Yager, especially considering his performance now. But it just I, I don't know. Just, his
1: foot speed kind of worries me a little bit. But I think yeah, if he's like,
0: it's like it's like watching like if any of you guys have been to any Winter Classics or watching the old timer hockey games. Like, unfortunately, that's where Yager sits. Like, he's he can't keep up with this new game anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. he had a great last season. It should have stayed at that, you know?
1: For sure. I think um, he brought a lot of positivity to to Florida. And, I mean, you keep reading these stories. I read a story earlier this week from the Players' Tribune from Vincent Trocheck, and he's talking about Yager and how he's like – He's a Pittsburgh guy, Trocek, obviously, and he like idolized Yager, and then having to play with him and all the positive, you know, kind of vibes that he brought to that young Panthers team. And, you know, that's great. Like, I think there's merit there, but at the same time, it's just kind of like, you know, you're... You got a team like Calgary who Jankowski is a player that that I've followed a little bit and and I certainly like what he's done um, for Calgary put up two goals the other night, almost a hat trick uh, wasn't uh, wasn't on the ice towards the end of the game, so wasn't able to. That would have been a cool story if he was able to get a hat trick after being called up. but uh, I digress as far as that goes, but <clears throat> you're you're gonna tell me that you're gonna bring Jager in and have some of the depth that's sitting in Stockton just kind of sit there, that bums me out. Like, that worries me a little bit. Um, Well,
0: that's what I mean. He doesn't, like... He didn't train this this offseason to play in the NHL.
1: Well, apparently he did. Because remember all the stuff that was coming out from his agent that was like, you know, the, the fucking classic, like, oh, he's in the best shape of his life going into this season. And I'm looking at him yeah, and I'm that, going...
0: That's just trying to sell him, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Like,
1: I, I get that. Like, listen, man, I don't subscribe to that. I think Yager, like, he's a beast. He is in great shape for somebody that's his age, of course. Better shape yeah. than you and I will ever be in. But it's one of these things where <clears throat> you just wonder if he was put in, like, I think he can still be effective as a top-nine contributor, getting some time on the power play, like, all of that stuff. But you wonder if he was brought into Calgary more for, you know, what he brings to the team off the ice than what he brings on the ice. What do you think about that?
0: He's an excellent mentor. Like, no one, like, Yager fans or not, can discredit what he's achieved over his lifetime and his NHL career. Like... But that's to be celebrated in in a development role. Like, yeah, he should he should be coaching or in player development or something like that. But he shouldn't be on the ice. Like, you can tell like he did train to keep up with the speed of the NHL. He, he trained to play in like in the KHL or something like that, where the hockey's still amazing, but where you can survive uh, to play at a little lesser of a speed than the NHL.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. I just and
0: so I I I don't feel like he should be on the ice. Like he had like he did amazing in Florida, like he should have quit while he was ahead. And if Calgary wanted to bring him on, they could have brought him on in a mentorship or a coaching role.
1: Well you wonder if when his career is done he does like you gotta figure he's gonna be involved in some way or another. I wonder.
0: I I think he'll go back to Pittsburgh, though.
1: Yeah, that's that's in my head. Like, that's what I hope happens, despite kind of a tumultuous relationship, you know. (laughs) He's played for a lot of teams, but certainly, like, the impact was felt its largest or its biggest when he played in Pittsburgh. So, it's weird. You just start to wonder, like, how much longer does this go on? And, like, I feel weird saying it because I feel like it's coming out of both sides of my mouth. But, like, you want him to stick around because he's fun to watch and he's this like kind of it sounds awful to say it but like this historical relic of what hockey once was <laughs> and you're like kind of cool yeah. to see him like wheeling out you know wheeling out and about on the ice and whatever but then the other part of me is like how much longer does this last when it starts to tarnish the legacy you know that is Jaromir Jagr do you know what i mean
0: well that that's what that's what I was kind of alluding to when I said they should have taken him in development. He should have quit while he was ahead. Yeah. Because every game he steps on the ice and doesn't perform how people expect him to perform. Mm-hmm. He is tarnishing that legacy. Yeah. He like, just. Oh, this isn't Yager. This is like some guy who can't keep up with the game.
1: Yeah. You just wonder at what point or another. Like I think this is going to be his last year. Like there was apparently interest from a few other teams when he ended up signing with Calgary, but. I don't. I think this is his last year. I don't think that oh, there's, yeah. there's too much kind of. It's not that there's not enough things keeping him in the game. Like the guy's probably pretty excited about that paycheck every couple of weeks. But at the same time, it's like
0: he'll, he'll never have to worry about a paycheck coming from the NHL. Like he's gonna be so deeply ingrained in the NHL system for the rest of his life.
1: Sure, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I wouldn't yeah. discredit any of that. Like I think he's a tremendous player and and he was a tremendous talent but when I say tremendous I'm not sure if I mean like that elite skill set that he once brought and more just like you know one of these guys that to your point is is kind of like a mentor you know what I mean
0: yeah like he's much more valuable off the ice than he is on the ice at this point in his life
1: yeah but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see Calgary's, uh, you know, like Johnny Gaudreau is lighting up the league, as I think a lot of people have expected. But, um, you know, they're, you know, as a Maple Leaf fan, I'm kind of happy the Leafs uh, didn't get Travis Hamannick. Um When I look at how he's done this year, what do you think of Hammondick's play?
0: I haven't really paid attention to Hammondick much. I can't really speak to him. Um, but, they're like yeah like I, I don't really have much to say about him i haven't like really when i've watched calgary i've watched calgary for yager yeah you know, i can't really speak to him unfortunately
1: it's just weird because i remember close to the draft this past year people were saying that you know the leafs were in on hammock and that jvr would be going the other way to the islanders and whatever and kind of look at it and I remember back then I was like so mad I was like oh the Leafs could have shored up their their def- like right handed defenseman with Travis Hamonic, but like Hamanick can't play like a top two role like he's, he's going to be sheltered a little bit he's a great penalty killer you know at least he was at one point in his career so I don't know that's the only spot that stresses me out but listen Calgary if you want to trade Dougie Hamilton to the Toronto Maple Leafs um <laughs> like let's make it happen like let's not waste anybody's time you know The other thing that's got me kind of involved with uh, Calgary too, just as we kind of wrap up, is that a couple of uh, Barry Colts that I used to follow play in Calgary, well, or they play in Stockton uh, for the Stockton Heat in their farm system, but um, Rasmus Anderson and uh, Andrew Mangiapane, I always say his name wrong, Mangiapane, Mangiapane, something like that. Anyways, He's uh, he's been pretty fun to watch with Stockton, and I think Rasmus Dall- Dallin, wrong Rasmus Rasmus Anderson uh, will probably be on the team next year. I know he got called up earlier on. I'm not sure if he's still with the club, but just a couple of names for the uh, for the listeners to watch out for, because as you guys know, I'm a total weirdo for junior hockey.
0: It'd be nice to see Anderson up like he dressed like the whole season for Stockton last year, and he put up some pretty crazy points for defensemen right so yeah it'd be it'd be cool to see him inter- like like that kind of offensive defenseman um like integrate into the Calgary lineup i think they need that type of like mix-up you know what i mean
1: they've got a like on paper their top four top six is pretty decent um but yeah i don't know i don't know where he would slot in Another guy, like, listen, if you want to trade him to the Leafs, like, we've got some, you know, we've got all this depth at wing. Just let me know. We can make it happen. I think he might still be with the team. I'm trying to look it up. I can't get a read on it, but... Anderson? Anderson, yeah. Um, Yeah, he's
0: he's with Stockton right now.
1: He's back on Stockton now? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Anyways, good player. Loved watching him play for the Colts. And, um, yeah, we'll just have to see kind of what happens. So we spent a little bit of time talking about the Maple Leafs. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, I am a uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And, uh, you know, things have been going pretty well for the Leafs the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm not trying to give you a dig here, Carter, but things for your uh, Montreal Canadiens have have not been going stellar the last little while. I
0: think that's the nicest anyone's ever put it. (laughs) Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I
1: think you put it on the last episode. You oh, you think they're a tire fire, do you? Eh?
0: <laughs> well, they they are. Like it's it's tough to watch. Like they they have the capabilities, but they can't seem to figure it out.
1: Oh, dude, it's so stressful, and all this stuff about price.
0: Yeah. Like, that's, like he was basically their. Like he was, if anyone was going to be their their like saving grace this year, like to kind of pull them together like price's attitude was there. Like he was like, it's not about me getting better. It's about us getting better as a team. Yeah. And with price out of the lineup and with that attitude. Balto. um, Balto, stop it. (laughs) Hey, so I have two dogs. I have a a cattle dog and a Husky and they're very loud.
1: Love ace too. Shouts to, uh, to ace and Balto. Um,
0: but yeah, without that in their lineup, I think that's going to be that's going to be a real tough thing to uh, to dig themselves out of this hole. And they're not going to do it, with Niemi.
1: Oh, dude, I don't know. It's so I was reading uh, Elliot Friedman's Thirty One Thoughts and had a couple of pieces about uh, Price that I wanted to kind of get into a little bit. So uh, here we go. Price has appeared in eighty percent of Montreal's games between two thousand nine and um, now. So on average. He's playing about 66 games per year from 2009, which is good for about 80%. He'll be 31 when his eight year contract extension begins, and then obviously 39 years old when the contract finishes. Do you think that he'll finish his contract in Montreal? Why or why not?
0: It's tough to say. Like, you thought Flurry was going to finish in Pittsburgh, and he up and went to Vegas, right? Like, It'd be, and I guess if you listen to the first podcast, you'll know that I'm a fan of like old world hockey and seeing players play out their career, um, like where they were given their best chance. And like when you think of Montreal, you think of Kerry Price and vice versa. So it would be nice to see him finish off his career there. But someone with that level of talent and like that capability of growth at that age, still, I think he might search for a squad that has a bit more prospect um so i my heart wants him to finish there but if we're like coming down to the sense of it i don't think he uh i don't think it would be a smart move to, for him to finish in montreal
1: yeah and i think like talent aside you just also wonder as long as mark bergevin is there you know he's made some moves love him or hate them that have set them back, right? Like they don't have the same prospect pool that they used to have, uh, which is devastating. I mean, you look at Jonathan Drouin and he's played well, um, all things considered. But, you know, for a team that has had pretty miserable defense, especially after Subban left and then now Markov's gone, you wonder like, oh, you know, Sergeyev would look pretty good on that back end in a few years. You see what he's doing with Tampa now. And you wonder if, you know, I, I struggle with that. Like, what team won? I think Drouin helps win the Canadians the trade now, but all signs point to Sergachev being at least a top four defenseman, um, and you just wonder like what's going to happen there. The mismanagement of assets by uh, Mark Bergevin has been brutal, and you have to wonder how much longer Jeff Molson, the owner, is going to you know let this. To go on for it. Do you know what I mean? Especially with the lack of success that they've had the last couple of years.
0: Well, yeah, it's like as soon as a player finds their stride, he's like, okay, let's get rid of them. Yeah. Get... Like Subban was, like, I wasn't a Subban fan, but he was just starting to find how he played his game.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah,
0: it's true. Like, and now look at him in Nashville.
1: Yeah, okay, I gosh. will go on record and say that I think this, like, I love PK Subban. He's got to be, like, in my top five of defensemen in the NHL. I think the contract is a little rich. I'm not sure yeah. if I like that cat pit, you know, as he gets no, a he little goes. bit older. Well, but I mean, loved,
0: like, yeah, uh, absolutely. They're going to
1: have Shea Weber on the books until Shea Weber is, like, 68. So
0: <laughs>
1: it's it's, it's kind of weird that way. And um, you know, while Price has been gone, we've also seen the the play of some of their uh, goalie prospects, Charlie Lindgren. Was that a guy that you knew too much about as a Habs fan going into this year? Not really. He's kind of like an unknown commodity in the sense that I think the the prospect pool, as far as goaltending goes, for Montreal for a long time, it was Zach Fukali who has kind of slipped down the depth chart the last couple of years. I think he's playing, I don't know if he's playing for Laval right now, uh, Montreal's farm team. He might be playing for the Brampton Beast, their ECHL team. But um, Charlie Lindgren was undrafted. He signed with the Montreal Canadiens as a free agent from St. Cloud State uh, in 2016. So he looked good enough. He was kind of a late bloomer. He played in the USHL and then went right to college he looked good enough in 2015 2016 and his team went 39 and 1 maybe some of his luck could rub off on your team a eh, carter is open dude <laughs> he uh, anyways regardless he signed so uh,
0: just to clear the record like i the reason why i am a montreal fan is because my dad was a montreal fan my dad's dad was a montreal fan it's like ingrained in my system so right it's like like in celebrating that old world hockey, that's why I am a Montreal fan. But I am appreciator of most hockey teams. I um, I love watching the Leafs play. Uh, I love watching Tampa play. Um, like there, It's it's not like I'm just a Montreal watcher. So
1: hold on but do I do I sense that you're just like backpedaling a little bit or?
0: <laughs> no, no. I, I I said I'm 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 from a long line of Habs fans, and hopefully my kids will be Habs fans. And yeah. Dude,
1: dude, I used to say the same shit like my my dad's a Leaf fan. My stepdad's a Leaf fan. My brother and my sister, brothers and sister Leaf fans like Leaf Maple Leaf blood is is going through my going through my veins. But like I said in the last podcast, like I'm a hockey fan just like you. I watch hockey literally every night. And I have my favorite players, my favorite storylines, whatever. Like, yeah. sure, it's been easy to be a Leaf fan the last couple of years, but I've definitely dabbled in liking other teams as well, right? Yeah, um, that's why I
0: call myself a Leafs appreciator. Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to hop on the Leafs bandwagon, but I started to watch that, like, I studying my MBA in the city last year, I had a lot of fun um, joining in on, like, the just the camaraderie in Toronto while they were on their playoff run last year. And I got an opportunity to work with the Leafs this summer, and they—it's—it is an amazing organization. They're making a lot of exciting moves, and they're like trailblazing how the game is gonna be. So you like, if it, it, its kind of like you—you'd be kind of stupid as a hockey fan to not appreciate the Leafs at this point in time in in their franchise. Um, but I don't want to call myself a true fan yet because I haven't been there for long enough.
1: No, that's totally fair. I mean, I remember watching the game um, with a couple of your friends and the girls and whatnot. We had a blast uh, watching the Leafs play Washington in the playoffs.
0: A lot of food, a lot of drinks.
1: Dude, a lot of food and a lot of drinks. My bill that night was, I don't even want to talk about it. And I paid like $40 for parking right near Dundas Square. I was so cheesed, man.
0: We had the king seat, though.
1: Yeah, we did. It was, dude. I was, I was uh, talking about it with some people a couple of days ago. But the the buzz that was going on in Toronto, and and I think the buzz that's going on in Toronto now is is palpable, right? Like everybody feels it. Everybody's excited about it. And for me, as sacrilegious as this might be, it kind of sucks that Montreal's having like a bit of a setback. And I mean, by no means are they a team that's like a terrible team by any means. But yeah, the, the lack of success that they've had in the last little while, it kind of sucks because think of how much more fun it would be if Montreal and Toronto were both competitive at the same time. You know what I mean? Like,
0: oh yeah, you'd have that old world hockey like right in your face again.
1: Totally. And it would be so fun to watch. It's not that the games don't mean anything. Like when the Habs and Leafs play, you know, that's a game I'm always watching. But at the same yeah. time, it's kind of like, what if there was just a little bit more excitement. Like, what if each of the teams had something to lose? And unfortunately, with the way that things have been going on in Montreal, you're you're not sure. And I find, like, maybe you can help answer this question as a as a Habs fan, but I find that it's hard to really understand where the team's at with the way that the media drives, you know, these narratives in Montreal. I know it's similar to Toronto, but, you know, do you feel like the media just pushes these storylines that are going to last for a week but then they make everybody second guess you know what's been going on as far as like what's been going right in Montreal
0: well yeah like that's the like if anyone any Montreal fans are listening all you've heard about is Carey Price and that they're doing shitty
1: yeah it's true
0: heard of any of their other little successes like how Joanne's been playing um or like yeah you haven't heard of anything like it's it's literally been, oh, we're doing shitty, and Carey Price, like, why is it your fault? and Which I, I feel is completely unfair because it's not Price's fault. Like, obviously, as one of the best goalies in the game, you're going to hold some level of responsibility for a team not doing well, yeah. but it's definitely all your fault. And so I feel like Montreal's painting a bit of an unfair picture, and they're pointing some fingers that don't deserve to be pointed, um, and they should be casting, light where light isn't being casted you know so yeah it's you know, true it has a lot to do with montreal's um, setbacks just because everyone in montreal montreal players included are focusing on those headlines because that's all that they have you know what i mean they're like oh yeah we are playing shitty and then they fall into that routine of like okay like we're just a shit team now and they're playing every game like they're digging themselves out of a hole yeah. rather than them, every game like okay we're gonna get this you know so it's uh yeah, well, you saw it when, like the the Leafs weren't making the playoffs. Like they're like, oh yeah, like maybe next year, was like the joke going around when the Leafs were contending for a playoff spot, like in 2014, 15 and everything like that. And they bombed and they didn't get their playoff spot. Yeah, because they fell into like that cyclical motion of like the media looming over them and everything. So I think that the, uh, that's playing a bad. Uh, they're, the media is a, a very poor sixth man for the Montreal Canadiens right
1: now. Well, and the Leafs back then, like they made some stupid moves after they had that like quiet little, well, quiet's not the right word, but maybe like short lived playoff run against the Bruins. But, you know, the yeah. Leafs were then like, oh, we're a competitor, so we're going to sign Dave Boland and David Clarkson to these deals that, you know, make absolutely no sense for where the team was at at that exact moment, right? Yeah,
0: l- let's bring Cadre up at 160 pounds. <laughs> Like, well,
1: yeah, but Kadri. He
0: should have stayed down and developed for another year, I think.
1: Kadri like marinated with the Marlies forever, and dude, like say what you want about Kadri, but this guy's two way play over the last couple of years, you know, like I yeah, love he, it. He, I'm not. I'm not
0: definitely like, matured. Like, yeah, he's he's turned into a fun player to watch, but watching him trying these like crazy like moves that he can get away with in the AHL, the NHL at his like frame and like current level of development he should have stayed and learned learned a bit more with the Marlies and got himself a bit more prepared to play the game at the highest level um and that's not fully his fault of course when the Leafs offer you to come up and play you're gonna you're gonna hop right on the opportunity right but yeah uh, I feel
1: I feel you
0: should have developed a bit more Sure, I and I
1: think now like he is developed. Like I think, oh yeah, absolutely. You're not at
0: the time, like when. Yeah, that's true. But when they're making all of those stupid moves, they're also making stupid moves with the players that they had in their system.
1: At the time, for sure, and I think that that's kind of a, a weird part of the narrative as well is, is that, like if you told me three years ago that the Leafs were going to have Nazem Kadri in like a shutdown role playing against the best players in the league and developed like a two-way game that makes sense and that had people rumbling about him being a Selkie candidate, I'd be like... Yeah, you, uh you'd
0: laugh him out of the room. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> like, it's it's not realistic. But, you know, back to Montreal for a second. The, you're right. I, I don't think we're hearing about a lot of the positive pieces because it is just surrounded with negative um you know placanic carry
0: price like
1: yeah well and i think like their center depth is garbage sorry to be so blunt but you know placanix i think Placanic's contract ends this year there's absolutely no way i see him resigning um right now no and then you also you know the galchenyuk stuff that stuff drives me ballistic um galchenyuk being played on the wing instead of being played as a center. Of course, he's not going to get the exposure, the time to get better at center if he's always playing on wing. And for a team that has, what, like a couple centers in the system that will hopefully make an impact at the NHL level, I just wish that they would give Galchenyuk a proper shot. Um, And all this stuff in the media, did you hear this stuff? I don't remember who in Montreal reported it, but did you hear the stuff about him how he was seeking help for, um, I I don't want to say it was substance abuse because I do not want to be misquoted for that. But he had some like stuff going on in his life outside of the game, and some people like outed him for trying to get help. Did you hear about this?
0: Yeah, I it was on SportsCenter, but it like it, um, it like kind of passed as I was watching it. I didn't really look much more into it. Yeah, but they said. It, it was like he was, like, looking for some sort of assistance or something like that.
1: Yeah. And it's but brutal. Yeah. Dude, like, imagine, like, being in, like, a kind of a rough place in your life. Like, I'm sure we've all been there. I'm pretty open about some of the anxiety that I've had in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting help for that right now. And I'm thankful that I have the people around me to to be able to get the support that I need. And you look at this guy who's a superstar. He's got a magnifying lens on him at all times in both his professional life. And now he's got it on his private life too. And it's kind of like, when's it going to give? You know what I mean? It's just a really shitty circumstance for Galchenyuk. And I think he deserves a lot better than that.
0: Yeah, so I, I just, I found, I knew there was something weird about it. And I just found it so... He was, it's not that he was seeking help for substance abuse. Um, the, um, an ex-Canadians coach, Mario Tremblay, appeared on 98.5 Radio Montreal, um, and during his interview, he um, he accused um, or alleged that Galchenyuk was looking for uh, treatment for substance abuse. So it's not even like it was anybody that was directly related to Galchenyuk or anything like that. It was some ex coach opening <laughs> their mouth,
1: yeah,
0: on a morning talk show, and then like with the media spreading like it is in in Montreal, like that followed all the way up to like Sports Center. You know what I mean?
1: It's just a, it's just so shitty, man. Like, what does that guy have to gain by saying something like that, outing somebody who needs the help? Um, like, fuck that guy, man. I've got. Absolutely nothing nice to say about that guy. I, I mean, candidly, I don't know who he is to begin with. Um, is he still with the team, or is he an ex like development guy for the team?
0: He's an ex coach. I don't even know what he's up to now. Like Trombley used to play for the Canadians, um, but like I'm not sure if he what he still does with the team. Mm. Um, but he he was a coach, and uh, and that was. About it, like, like he. Uh, I'm trying to figure out when he stopped coaching. It hasn't been for a while that he's coached.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't know. Before I, uh, you know, use expletives yeah, yeah, he, and he, get angry about from, it.
0: <laughs> he coached from '95 to '97.
1: So. He had, weird. Okay. And
0: then, so he in 2009, um, he was. Uh, he went to the the Devils. As an assistant coach. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then he joined... um, So, and in 2010, when uh, Lemaire retired uh, in New Jersey, um, Tremblay started working uh, for the Quebec Sports Network, RDS, as a hockey analyst for the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Oh, that's why.
0: But it's like, he's working for a third outside party. Like, he has no... Like, he's an analyst of the games. He's not an analyst of, like, what's going on behind the scenes or he's not any type of support or development. Like, he has no no place talking about any player needing assistance. Yeah. And if he if he is going to be talking about it, he should be talking about how he can help them, not alleging them of seeking it. Like, fuck that guy.
1: Yeah, Let and it's step. just, as I said, I can't understand why in 2017... And, you know, it's good that we're talking about it in November as certainly there's a highlight on on getting help if you need the help. And, and certainly there's so many resources that are out there and, you know, people are going to continue to fight the stigma around things like substance abuse and mental illness and all these things. It's just such a bummer that some guy who works for RDS thinks that he can run his mouth about you know, somebody who's actually going through stuff that's impacting both their personal and professional life. And if he's working for RDS, he's probably got, you know, at least a pulse on other things that are happening in the organization. Find something else to talk about, because as far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely no reason why somebody needs to tarnish someone's name, especially when they're struggling professionally. Like, Galchenyuk's had some issues for the last couple of years on ice as well. I guess the moral of the story with Galchenyuk is, like, give him the opportunity to find help. Give him the opportunity, as far as the professional side of of his life goes, you know, allow him to get better at center. And if you're not going to, you know, help cultivate, you know, kind of his skill set and help him be in a better place, both personally and professionally, fucking trade the guy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, there's no reason why Placanic or or De La Rosa should be playing Center over Galchenyuk.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it just.
0: Like, Pl- Placanix had his run. Like, if anything, I would, uh, I would, like, take De La Rose out of the lineup, uh, put Galchenyuk in the third line and move mm-hmm. Plekanik down and let people develop in the roles that they were meant to be developing in. Yeah. And send yeah. De La Rose back down to develop where he needs to be.
1: Yeah, and I like De La Rose. I know when he came up and played a bit of a more prominent, like, not prominent bottom six role, but I know he was playing for the Habs a few years ago and I I liked his game. I don't know. It's weird. I'm probably not like a traditional Leafs homer that's like, oh, I fucking hate the Canadians and it's because my dad and his dad and his dad's dad, we've all hated the Canadians because we're diehard Leaf fans. I hate the Canadians because their front office is run by a bunch of fucking morons.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, there's people taking up space in the lineup that shouldn't be there and it's as we can see this year it's uh it's working as a detriment to the team
1: well for your for your sake and for probably my sake too and the the sake of all hockey fans like i want the canadians to get back on track so that uh you know as a fan you know hockey night in canada watching the leafs versus the canadians is just going to be that much more exciting when you and i get together and watch the game
0: Absolutely. I can't wait. I'll I'll find that picture. It's buried deep somewhere in one of my hard, like my external hard drives
1: of you and uh,
0: me at the game in Montreal in 2014.
1: Oh, you and I at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Valentine's Day. Dude, do you remember what happened during that game? No. So I know that the game ended in a shootout and I know the next day Cody Franson got traded to Nashville. Because uh, I was driving home from the game and the news broke, and like we got Leipzig and I think a first round pick back, right? And Jokinen maybe I can't remember, but anyways, um, <laughs> within like the first couple of minutes, David Clarkson ran Sergey Gonchar into the boards, oh, and there was yeah. that huge fight. Do you remember?
0: Yeah, I remember.
1: And Clarkson, I think he got a, he got like he got uh, kicked out of the game, and I want to say he got. Uh, a couple of games um for the incident as well but dude i remember being at the game in my leaf gear, i was wearing a phil kessel jersey like just it was great and the whole row were obviously canadians fans and they were booing and like yelling at me in french and then there was a couple of leaf fans sitting behind us and then they were getting in their faces and like Dude, it was great. But you know what? At the end of the day, even though you're cheering for different teams, the Bell Center is – it's got to be one of my favorite barns in the league, the ones that I've traveled to at least. Um, you've been there before other than the game that we were at together, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I love – like, there's just electric in the air there.
1: Yeah. There's no restaurants, though. Well,
0: that's why. It's all their concession stand food.
1: Dude, and I made the mistake of not eating concession food. And then when the game was done, we tried to find food. And I wanted to go to St. Hubert so bad because, you know, your boy could just crush a poutine. I the,
0: chicken.
1: <laughs> oh, the chi- I don't even know if I've had the chicken too, too much. But like the poutine is, is, uh, as they say. And uh, I remember it being closed, like it closed at like nine o'clock. And then I ended up having to order Domino's pizza to our room. It sucked.
0: Yeah, everything. There's nothing really around the bell center. Like there, there's an old, like van store and
1: that's about it i don't know you know what at the end of the day memorable memorable hockey memory that you and i get to get to have together i can't find the photo but we'll post it on our uh on our social media stuff when we find the photo but in any case let's move on to probably our last topic of uh, episode two and that's um houston what do you think of houston have you ever been to houston before
0: driven through it um like and just saw all the oil refineries but that's about it
1: i had a layover in houston when i was on a business trip to i think i was going to uh, new orleans for a conference and my plane there was like really bad weather we flew from atlanta i want to say can't remember but anyways the flight in Houston, we were late getting to Houston, so the flight took off, and there wasn't going to be any more flights um, from Houston to New Orleans. So I had to rent a car and drive all the way from Houston to New Orleans as quickly as I could. Um, and dude, I had the best food of my life in Texas. It was delicious.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's bigger and the barbecue's good, right? Like, uh, I've been down to Galveston and everything like that like just on family cruises, but just kind of in and around the Gulf of Mexico, never inland Texas.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And to tie this back into the podcast a little bit here, I was reading a report yesterday from Katie Strang uh, from The Athletic, and she reported that there was a recent meeting between NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta, as I believe how you say his last name, And they were meeting at the NHL offices in New York within the last couple of weeks. So obviously people reached out to Bettman and Bettman said like the NHL is not going to relocate any NHL teams right now. But if Fertita were to express interest in bringing a team to Houston, it's something that they would take a look at. So Fertita, for our basketball fans uh, who might be listening, he bought the Houston Rockets for $2.2 billion dollars. In September of 2017, and has expressed interest in bringing a hockey team to Houston before. And really, what I wanted to get into was, I didn't think that Houston was really like a viable market for hockey. But you see, like, there's three teams right now. Two of them are Canadian teams that are having some issues finding um, new arenas or new arena deals, um, and those kind like those teams are encountering difficulty for any number of reasons so Bettman still believes that a downtown arena should be um, in consideration in Ottawa and is quoted with saying that he believes that the arena would be vitally important to the long-term future stability and competitiveness of the Ottawa Senators and I we can check in with some of our Sens fans but um, the Sens are reportedly in negotiations with the National Capital Commission for a new arena downtown at La Breton Flats. Do you know where La Breton Flats is? It's, it's no idea. Because the Senators are playing in Canada still, which yeah. is not. Out of the way. Yeah, it's, it's kind of out of the way. I've never it's been to it. Yeah, I've never even been to a game there. So I don't even know like if there's like transit or if it's easily accessible one way or the other. Um, Calgary and Arizona are also seeking new arenas, um, and the NHL has deemed, you know, they need to have arenas sooner than later. Uh, It was reported back in September that Ken King, who's the president of the Flames, was in talks with uh, the Calgary mayor, Nahid Nenshi, uh, about the team having, or I guess the city of Calgary, helping fund a new arena deal in Calgary so that they could move away from the Saddle Dome. And then Arizona, who always seems to be having these financial issues. Sorry, Tim Wah. Their owner, Andrew Barraway, he bought out the rest of the partners. He's now the sole owner of the team. And he's been commenting and, and trying to commit to finding a place uh, for the uh, for the Coyotes. And their lease expires following the 2017-2018 season. And then lastly, the Islanders have been trying to get away from the Barclays Center in, uh, in Brooklyn. And for those people who haven't heard, but that ice in Brooklyn, the Barclays Center, was never meant to be for hockey. So there's been all of this talk and dispute about the quality of the ice in Brooklyn, where the Islanders play, and they're looking to get a new arena in Belmont Park, which would bring the team back to Long Island, New York, and I guess the way that I would look at it and what I want to get into for you, with you here is if any of these teams encounter more difficulty, I wonder if the NHL would turn to a team or an option for a prospect team in Houston because Houston already has an NHL-ready arena just like the arena that's in Quebec. The Toyota Center, um, which was built in twenty uh, sorry 2003, Uh, can hold up to just under 18,000 people for hockey, and any potential NHL franchise would split the building with the Houston Rockets. So I know that that was a bit of a diatribe. Thanks for uh, sticking along and uh, hearing me out. But could you imagine a team being viable, another team in Texas and in Houston in particular?
0: Well, it'd, it'd be tough to say like and arena sharing is going on more and more but it, it's like as you see with like the Leafs and the Raptors like they do that transition like so quick and like supporting like the um, like supporting the changeover and everything like that um, so I don't think that's too much of a crazy um, like a crazy thing to like grasp them sharing with the the Rockets. It, it would just mean that they'd have to juggle their seasons off of each other, um, rather than um, rather than like just operating freely. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but you can also have teams operate that far south. Um, like obviously Dallas is pretty far north and a little easier, uh, like to reach from some of the other states. Um, but there's. I, don't, I, don't know, I think I think Houston could have like a, a viable market for a hockey team, but you're competing in close proximity to Dallas, um, and it's also a big basketball and football city, uh, so you have to wonder if there's going to be a draw for another team so close to Dallas from those people who are used to making that road trip for the game already.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: so you really have to wonder what kind of market you're going to be pulling from, and if it's going to be a flop or not. Um, like, People are just so used to having Dallas be Dallas, you know what I mean? and Or Dallas be the only Texas team. Yeah. And all of Texas, as big as it is, will travel to see Dallas play if they are a hockey fan. Um, so I'm a little skeptical if Houston can pull from their basketball and football crowd um, to have the sales numbers to support a team there.
1: Yeah, and you want the team to be successful, right? Like, we don't want to have another like atlanta thrashers type situation where the sport just doesn't take off um in a kind of uh, well i don't want to shit talk the thrashers because they got like the coolest sweaters right do you remember those anyways (laughs) side note you,
0: you could talk about the early tampa bay lightning yeah like or i guess early 2000 tampa bay lightning like I think they're they're paying people to come to their games.
1: Well, the South South for hockey, and I mean, listen, I'm not trying to shit on hockey fans that are from the South because I think it's really cool that they enjoy the game as much as they do when there's such prominence in other sports like football and basketball and things like that. Um, Any hockey fan is good by me. But, you know, you always hear stories about how Florida struggles to sell out. Um, You know, Texas as a whole, like, they've got some clubs that I can think of in Texas, so there must be enough of a draw between the Stars, the Texas Stars, the uh, Houston, or not Houston, San Antonio Rampage that we talked about last episode. Like, there's enough there that I think, you know, you, you could see decent uh, fanfare there. Um, I would. It's just weird for me to think of any of the teams that I talked about uh, at the beginning of the segment Moving, Like, could you imagine the Islanders moving, Arizona moving, uh, Ottawa, Calgary moving? The only team I really see moving would be Arizona.
0: Well, that, I was just about to say, the only one that makes sense w- would be keeping, like, the Coyotes in the South. But, like, there, you wouldn't have, like, like, you wouldn't have hockey without the Ottawa Senators. Like, you can't move move that team down to texas like there. that would like break the fabric of canada
1: i just don't um, see it happening i know you're a bit of a homer for the senators <laughs> well, well at least no, you were when you talked about alfie last episode
0: but no, i i just mean that like there, like there's a team in the nation's capital like it's there's something to be said about that you know what i mean
1: yeah but there's um, already a team in the nation's capital in toronto you've heard of them right the maple leafs
0: Capital.
1: Oh, sorry, the nation's hockey capital. Whatever.
0: Um, and then taking taking hockey out of Calgary, that would that would mess with like the whole like Oilers Flames rivalry. Um,
1: yeah, the thought of Calgary Northwest. leaving makes me sick. I don't like that idea.
0: And, and then, even though the Islanders have been Islanders have been kind of up and down, like watching over the past decade, um, there's still like deep seated rivalries with those those East Coast teams that like you can't take away from the people that's like ingrained in the community, you know what I mean? Well, it begs the
1: question, like, what happens to the Islanders? This is like not totally off topic as we're talking about the Islanders, but if John Taveras decides to leave, do you think there's a higher likelihood that they take off because they don't have the star power to support a team in Brooklyn? I'm sure that they would in Long Island where a lot of the the true Islanders fans are, regardless of how many there are in 2017. Do you think there's a higher likelihood that the Islanders move if Tavares moves on from them?
0: I don't think so. Like I I think like if you think of any New York team, um like the Yankees, the Mets, uh the Knicks, like anything, like those guys are die-hard fans and like they'll they'll beat you up if you're wearing like a visiting team sweater. Like, and their fathers and their father's fathers and their father's father's fathers were all fans. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I think it'll take a long time to break the loyalty of any New York fan. Um, fuck people were myself included were Buffalo fans, like Bill's fans for however many years when they were scraping the bottom of the barrel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. And so I I think it'll be a long time before you start to lose New York fans. Um, just because of how territorial they are you know so yeah i think tavares leaving it would it would hurt them in the sense that it would take away fuck almost all of their star power other than maybe Eberle.
1: yeah Yeah.
0: but um, maybe lad but i'm not sure dude
1: lad uh, sucks, lad sucks.
0: <laughs> but if tavares was out of there lad could maybe step up a little bit more you know, he might
1: be like a, a shoe in to be the captain because he's captained other teams before. But lad is le- lad it the- might be the worst contract at, in the Eastern Conference.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, if Tavares left, he would be what like him or Eberle would be what they would have to fall back on.
1: Sure, I mean the Islanders have depth. You know, that's coming up. Like, I love Josh Hosang.
0: You really had to fight that depth
1: out, eh? Dude, no. (laughs) Dude, listen. If I have an opportunity to talk about prospects, I will almost always take it. Hosang's good. Barzal's good. You know, um, Bolivier, I think he could be a difference maker in in some capacity or another in the limited sample size we've seen of him. But I think it's got to be Arizona, right? Like, if if a team relocates, it's got to be Arizona,
0: logistically it makes the most sense and then those fans are still in somewhat close proximity of their team like they can still relate to the community or relate to the location you know and
1: it's a bummer to say that because i don't like have a hate necessarily for the for the coyotes like i'm kind of indifferent as far as that team goes but you know you hear all this stuff about you know austin matthews you know coming from a, the the minor hockey development systems in Arizona and like would we have Austin Matthews if not for, you know, Shane Doan and and Brière and all these people who played in the Coyote system. I just I wonder if they even break even financially. Just I don't,
0: well the Matthews thing is good. Um, and I, I read a thing like he mimics his playoff like like growing up he just wanted to be Brière. Yeah. After reading that, you can see like the Briere and Matthews. And uh, you, remember, I, I, you remember the waves that Brier made when he was playing. Like yeah. obviously he's a Brier on. Well, I don't want to say steroids, but like he's he's like a Briere to the most like extreme degree.
1: Dude, I don't even think we know what Austin Matthews is yet.
0: No, absolutely not. He's still he's still fine. Like he's just getting his feet wet in Toronto. That's the beautiful thing about the Toronto team right now is they have. Like you, like you're a fan of prospects. This is like the time to be watching Toronto because these prospects are setting their roots and they're they're about to take flight. You know.
1: Sure, but as a fan of prospects, the team that I should love watching is the Coyotes, because their entire team is prospects and pretty good ones at that. But you see the likes of like Clayton Keller and Christian Fisher and you know Dylan Strome and you know they've got such a deep prospect pool, but the team is not terribly fun to watch i like ekman larson a lot like i think he's great uh ranta has been real bad uh when everybody thought ranta was going to be a great starting goaltender for the coyotes you know i know we've kind of gone off topic a little bit but i they,
0: they just they need some controversy like like they they've just been like i hate to say it but they've they've not been good for so long that's I guess we're going back to the narratives of hockey, but that's what they've played themselves into. Sure. That's what Phoenix fans are used to, you know what I mean?
1: But the and controversy, so- sorry to cut you off, but the controversy is, like, <laughs> it's, it's you know, the expression, like, uh, all press is good press.
0: Or you no know, such thing as bad
1: press. Or, yeah, whatever, you know the saying better than I do, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, Clayton Keller has been a great story. Like, I think he's he's looking real good for rookie of the year at least you know in the middle of november but then you also see there's always something going on with the management and i was reading this this thing i was gonna include it as a part of the show notes but i didn't think we'd take off on arizona as we somehow did right now But Arizona just got slapped with, like, a lawsuit of some kind for, like, spying on their player – or not on their players, like, spying on the people who work in the arena and not paying people overtime. Like, Arizona is in the press, but it's not for, you know – Oliver Ekman Larson. It's not for Clayton Keller. It's not for Dylan Strome, unless it's Dylan Strome not being able to skate very well and being put on Tucson's team. Like, it's never anything positive. It's always negative. So you wonder if, at some point or another, not that this would totally impact the decision, whether they just go, all right, boys, pack your bags. We're going to Houston.
0: Well, that's what I mean by they need some controversy because it's literally been the same thing in Arizona for as long as I can remember. Like, fuck it. since since Roenick, like, left and then Doan moved away, like, it was, like, there there hasn't been much to watch in Arizona. They've just been kind of, like, a team that's just sh- showed up, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: So
0: having, maybe having them pick up and move is the paradigm shift that they need that will get their asses in gear. So that, that's what I meant by controversy, is they need something to focus on rather than, anything that they can scrape up in Arizona
1: yeah no it's true I guess, I guess. you just you almost like want to like them because they're like the underdog and they're like you know I like John Chayka like I think he's a pretty cool GM he's like a young guy he's kind of deviated from this idea of of hockey management being like an old boys club I mean it is still a boys club but it is you know it's it's cool seeing a guy who's like 28 or 29 however old he is and 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 being able to you know at, at least do that job and he's made some pretty good trades um but I don't know man they they worry me I think it was 20 20 games or something I think it was 20 games played that they didn't get a single point or a single win in regulation someone might have to fact check me on that but I'm pretty that's sure last I saw year, that right? no that's this year this year yeah, like any point that they've got has been in overtime or shootout.
0: Oh, my God.
1: You know what I mean? And you're just like, what the hell, man? It I don't know. Yeah. Listen, this is what we're going to do. I recognize that we've done a little bit of shit talking on uh, on Arizona. Maybe it's warranted. Maybe it's not. But do you want to do me a favor and send Tim Wah a quick note on, uh, you know, Twitter, text them, whatever you want to do. Let's get him on the next episode because he is a diehard Arizona fan, and I want him to explain to me why Arizona is 31st place in the league. They've played 20 games as of recording, uh, November 16th. They've won two games. They've lost 15 games, and they lost in overtime uh, three times. So they're good for seven points in the entire league.
0: Yeah, we. I, I think they deserve an explanation.
1: I just want to get the goods from a like. Tim is you know I'm not pumping his tires by saying this. He's one of my favorite hockey fan friends in the sense that he's not like a bandwagon guy. He's always liked Arizona as long as I can remember. He, he
0: just got it. He just got the vintage logo tattoo on him. Perfect.
1: Well. I didn't even know he's that. that.
0: Kind of fan we need.
1: Well, I just, you know, like we're going to, just for future reference for people who are still listening at this point, uh, not saying that you wouldn't listen, I'm just saying like, you know, maybe you're doing other shit, you got other stuff going on. But we're going to try and get a guest on every episode for like a 15 or 20 minute segment to talk about, you know, kind of their passion behind hockey, why they love hockey. And I think Tim would be a real great guest to have on who... Uh, as I said, has been an Arizona fan his entire life. I know his dad is a diehard Maple Leaf fan. So I'm interested in finding out, you know, why he, you know, yeah, like why does he follow them and, and, you know, kind of what's kept his or piqued his interest in this team, despite, you know, some of the, the lighter years and, and difficult times that they've had. And I got to imagine we'll continue to have, but uh, yeah, send him a message. Let's, let's get him on episode three when we record next week. Sound good?
0: absolutely
1: all right well it's uh about an hour and 20 minutes in so we're gonna wrap up um i wanted to thank everybody for checking out this episode you can follow the hosers podcast on twitter and instagram at listen to hosers and you can also follow along and you can subscribe on soundcloud uh and on the uh itunes podcasts uh store whatever you call it subscribe on itunes there we go that sounds better All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one.
0: All right. All right. Later, guys. Take
1: off.